and welcome to Writing About Dragons and Shit, a podcast where two authors and a writer get together and talk about the ways that they tell stories. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, your resident writer and podcaster from such shows as Difficulty Class and Champions of Lore. And with me each week are two amazing people who are. I'm Erin M. Evans. I write fantasy novels. I'm best known for the Brimstone Angels saga. B. Dave Walters. I say words about things. We don't do this as a video podcast because we're all drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually not. I was really sad. I thought I had wine, and I it's went time. out there, and there was no wine. Oh, no, you get nothing. You can go make no. a cocktail. Like uh, Aaron and I can talk to each other. It's, it's it's that's it's all the way over there. It's so far. It's, what I happens mean, if I'm you just, just shout, Tara? <laughs> if you're like cocktail, that, that's how I get a can of cut water thrown at my head. I'll still get it, but it hey, will be a but, lethal object. But if you're prepared, but. <laughs> We need, we need a sponsorship from Cutwater because I yes. too am drinking Cutwater. If anybody knows, I mean, don't get me wrong. I am a savage, but if any of you happen to know anyone at Cutwater, <laughs> maybe reach out to us. Uh, otherwise, I will say, find them. Trevor, didn't you say you live in the town where Cutwater is? Yeah, or uh, there, there's, a, there's a brewery uh, here. I'll just take okay, a go, flash go drive of on, these yeah, and I'll just, just drop them in the door, door yeah. and mm-hmm. be like, hey. Have, have you ever thought about sponsoring a writing podcast? <laughs> Just saying, we'll do we'll do like a spicy boudoir calendar. <laughs> It's just me in different dad sweaters holding their hands. Hey, I've been on the internet. There's a market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no one but you two can see me doing this. <laughs> that's what that's what sells but it. We and you're the one. It. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The um the rest of you imagination. Imagination. Um, but yeah, so uh, this week, uh, you know, we we made it a hot line last week with doing a listener question. We're making a hot song this week. Uh, we got another uh, listener question. And uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's take a look what it says. So it says, greetings and salutations. Firstly, I'd like to say I'm a massive fan of both champions of lore and writing about dragons and shit. Thank you very Yay. much. I see you're also a person of culture. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you all have helped me... Uh, make great progress on my fantasy novel which is set in oh i i got way too ahead of myself and i knew i was gonna mess up this word mm-hmm. do you want me to tell you how to say it yeah mm-hmm. yeah do you know how to say I it say, i think you say it my sedan that sounds right See, I, I say it i say mycenian but uh, you know but it's another one of those things that i'm like i've read it not they listen it, to so. champions of lore they know yeah. this is how we roll uh, <laughs> the, the well yes. neither of us sounded like what the people called it so that's true, there you go. true. so that era of ancient greece and i've made uh, my own changes of the mythology of the time which is actually the subject of my question when it comes to writing fantasy, do you believe that writers have a responsibility to handle culturally sensitive uh, aspects such as race, beliefs, and customs, even though they are uh, used in a fantasy setting? And how would you recommend someone going uh, about portraying things of that nature without being culturally insensitive, yet still maintaining creative freedom? I know B. Dave has, uh, has experience uh, with this regarding Cholt, so I was wondering if you had any advice from the others as well. Uh, kind regards, Scarlet, Proud Tangent. Thank you, Scarlet, for writing in. Yep. Ye, they, this question made its way to me, and it's like, do we want to talk about this? I'm like, yep. Um, <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. A lot of it comes down to what your intent is. If mm-hmm. you say, this is a world where there's elves, and elves all look different, or elves all look the same. Okay, you know, elves are very homogenous. Elves are very mixed. Whatever. You're like, great, we're talking about elves. 
the moment you're like elves have brown skins and wear their hair in cornrows it's like well mm. you know what i mean mm. i'm like and 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 i'm not necessarily saying that it's the hard no that you think it is maybe if you want to be like they're vaguely caribbean inspired you know they're they they live at the, in the equatorial region of the planet i know they said my sea in greece yeah, but yeah. um you know like if if that's your angle that's cool but you have to become more and more and more sensitive to it as yeah. it becomes more and more and more analogous to real world peoples especially if those are marginalized groups um my career literally exists in no small part of my very vocal criticisms of chult when uh tomb of annihilation came out uh i very much the original chult i think we've talked about this in the past yeah the the original chult was very racist in the 80s uh but i mean you know lots of stuff was racist in the <laughs> 80s uh and then the upgraded one was no longer as racist it was just tone deaf yeah. instead of just being pygmies and cannibals and people with bones in their noses it was the empire has left and now we've adopted a semblance of their trappings but we're kind of a shadow of who we were and who they were mm. and my whole thing is this was a fantasy story you could have said the black people live on the moon you could have made wakanda if you wanted you could have done yeah. anything why do that so <laughs> yeah that would be my point the more analogous these different races are to the real world the more sensitive that you need to be and i would also caution why you necessarily want to make them overly analogous because uh you know putting an un unintentionally or at least non-constructive borderline racist tropes is bad but also as fetish fetishizing people fetishizing yep. Fetishizing. Oh my god, I can't even that. say it. You know what we're saying. Yeah, <laughs> making a fetish out of watch. people. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's uh the cocktail got to my tongue. Um, but uh that that's not necessarily good either. You know what I mean? Um, so also Trevor has his glasses off and it also I always throws me I off. look better without my glasses you right cow. now. I don't, know. Now, I don't know. First of all, I mean, you always look good to me, buddy. That's the, the those <laughs> those calendars are gonna fly off the shelves. Right back at you. Uh, Can I throw but, a weird tangent out. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, it's literally on brand. I was just, um, you know, have you ever, big guys, big ever, Trevor. ever heard of the concept of a new cow? So mm -hmm. apparently, it's like when, the ship of C uh, Theseus. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Okay. Anyway, so cattle breeders, when uh, the bull gets like tired of the cows, they will put like a blanket over the cow, like change this one thing, and suddenly the bull's like, oh new cow and will be very interested in her so this is that works thing. on me for the record <laughs> right? so this is what i'm saying trevor takes off his glasses like oh mm. new cow right <laughs> i was this guy's hot all right yeah, that's true. Man, it's, man, maybe was, Superman really was onto something. <laughs> I was going to say, the, the attraction with Trevor himself was running a little thin, but whoever this guy is, like, like, the, like, like, the cut of, like the cut of this guy's jib. Yeah. Right. Um, but, yeah, but no, what, what you were saying there with it, like, especially the part about like, oh, you know, these, these uh, elves are based more on like the, like the Caribbean, stuff like that. Um, I can't remember this exactly, but... Um, I remember talking to someone who was like, oh, yeah, I was going to have this fantasy race ba based after. And this is the problem. I can't remember who the people were or what location in the world it was. It was going to be based off of these people. And then I told someone else that and they're like, hey, you should probably do some research into that because that entire culture it was built out of slavery. And it was and they went, 
oh crap <laughs> and so that that's kind of my first baseline was like do you do you research like i'm not saying that this person hasn't i'm not saying this girl hasn't done it but like <laughs> doing your research into why that culture is there yeah and the the history of them to see if you're borrowing something that doesn't have you know great great history um I that hmm? <laughs> we all started talking at the same time very passionate um, about this i think that also slots into something that i wanted to point out that's a little broader um so i've said before my background is in anthropology i love reading about how different people people mm -hmm. and a big part of looking at real world cultures um ancient and and extinct and extant uh is acknowledging like other people are not failed attempts at being you right people and culture comes out of the you know the the pressures and the opportunities and the impulses that are put on to this group and, and what how do they grow and how do they change and so looking at that for any given group of people is really valuable because otherwise there is a temptation i think for a lot of people to look at something and go oh look at that neat thing they do isn't that neat and it's like that's there for reasons that aren't it amuses you um and so kind of like really digging in and looking at it from as close to a primary source as you can get is a really good idea and this includes stuff like um you know, for for the for the viewer question, I am curious. Like, is the intention that this is a historical fantasy? Are you saying this is Mycenaean Greece, but I tweaked it, and I'm gonna still say it's Mycenaean Greece? I would be very cautious with that because, um, it's I, I find that weird <laughs> to be honest when I see it if it's I took this inspiration and it's um the Jujubaba people uh to steal our made up word um and they just happen to have things in common with Mycenaean Greece um that's a different thing but I also think it's still worth going and saying why was Mycenaean Greece like this what were the mm -hmm. pressures that made this the case um you know looking at archive city-states and and why did that happen and and how did these things arise can give you a lot of inspiration but also mm -hmm. can inform what you choose um yeah 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 the that the the like i remember at one point really wanting to do like some kind of uh historical fantasy and uh the thing is though is that like I didn't trust my brain to maintain all of the history of that era to do it justice or do it well or not mess something up like that. Um, oh, wait, I will. Sorry, I will correct one thing I said. I find it weird if you're like, this is my scene in Greece, but I changed it. If you're doing a historical fantasy, you said, this is my scene in Greece. If the aliens arrived right after the Peloponnesian War. If you're mm -hmm. doing a historical fantasy like that, where you're like, oh, it's Mycenaean Greece, but they're sorcerers. Like, if that's yeah. in your logline, that's sort of a different thing. But I will say, like, having read Slush, I will never forget the time I got a fantasy novel that was supposed to be based on the Aztecs, but this person clearly didn't feel like reading about actual Aztec oh, no. culture or social practices or 
anything. Oh. Um, and so Queen, Queen Rainbird was going to celebrate the Festival of Oneness. Oh, and wow. I was like, what is happening with this? Why not? Why did you do that? Um, and it was very like, I like the way they look at this thing. I like this detail. And it's like, but this is, this is a whole group of people that do things for a reason. And you have stripped it down to a couple of signifiers and you want the cachet of saying it's Aztec fantasy. Yeah. And it's not. It's also that one is... of the few times someone wrote back to me and was sassy about the rejection. Don't do that either. <laughs> that is that, that, um, fetishizing uh, i was mentioning yep. a second ago is that yeah. is what i mean uh, you know ooh, they look cool that's all i need um i will say though do feel like you can write people that aren't you you can you can yeah. write races and genders and religions that aren't you just try and do so respectfully and most importantly don't define them by that because that's mm -hmm. when things start going wrong yeah. You know, yeah. which again, you know, the orcs are bad because they're orcs. You know, you're like, uh, okay. You know, <laughs> you're mm -hmm. like, mm, okay. Yeah. So. so so what what would you say is a, a, a good practice to do with it? Like, is it just, does it just come down to research or what what would you say is something well, that helps with that? Well, to, to Aaron's point though, obviously if this story is meant to be truly indicative of what life in that time period was like, then yes, you should take some time to invest yourself in, in, in that, uh, and, and basically say, you know, because plenty of books and movies have done this, you know, there's like the following story is fictional, you know, but, but some of the details of the world are true, mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 and roll with it, do your thing. Um, if it is purely, purely, purely fictional and simply inspired by a certain time, I mean, maybe you don't even even have to say anything, honestly. If you're just like, this is just sort of a a nod to bygone times. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I will just say when what I did with Electropunk, because you know the the it's about Nikola Tesla, so mm -hmm. Ruthie and Chuck are Serbian, and and I you have them use some Serbian words with each other. I talked to some Serbian people. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> weird, huh? I'm yeah. all like, you know. Just, does this say what I think it says? Does this mean what I think it means? Because every other language is just as hanky as English, where you're like, give me five. I mean, that right. ended up, it's, there's nothing actual in that logic that says, I want you to do this. You know, I mean, sorry, I'm going to mess up the edit there with that. No, you know no, what no, I mean? You're fine. <laughs> But, you know, colloquialisms are weird and there's things yeah. that are technically precise, but aren't how people actually oh. talk. You know, I yeah. saw I saw a post on um, on Reddit and I don't remember where it was, but it was someone showing it was a temporary tattoo. It was like they had gotten it to see, you know, do I like this tattoo? And it had kanji that said uh, pain equals progress. And, he, mm. and they're like, is this accurate? Like, mm. if, is this is this accurate? And it was it was exactly accurate. Okay. But someone pointed out that it's it's a little like, well, people were like, the font is very textbook. But someone pointed out in there like this is very this is sort of a clever and resonant saying in English, right? It has alliteration. Um, it's presented like this equation. Mm -hmm. But that alliteration doesn't exist in Japanese. Mm -hmm. And what you're what you're doing here doesn't kind of convey what you're doing because that's not a thing that we'd necessarily say. Yeah. And they offered a different 
um, like I forget I forget what they what they offered, but it was a different uh, sentence that sort of had the same meaning, but was very attractive in the kanji and also made more sense in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, and even that kind of thing, right? Or you can make the direct, you can go through like Google Translate and get a solid translation, but it might not be someone something that a native speaker would say. So mm-hmm. yes, check. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the. When it when it, like when it comes to fantasy for like I'm taking inspiration from it, like I I, I do I do think that there should also be caution taken there with it. Um, not again, not saying don't do it, um, but have the knowledge behind it, even if it's not very overtly obvious that that's what it's from. Um, I think actually one of my favorite examples of this is. Um, the uh, natural history of dragons uh uh oh my gosh i'm blanking on that author's name i love marie her marie brennan I, yes marie brennan she's fantastic um i listened to an interview with her about the first book and uh the interviewers were just like oh the the religion of the the local people in the area that the main character goes to is extremely interesting like how did you come up with that and she goes oh they're jewish like you, yeah, I, oh, I thought I made that more obvious. No, they're Jewish. Like, and I believe, I believe, I think Marie Brennan is Jewish, um, uh, or at least uh, has like a big knowledge of it. But like, yeah, she just essentially ch- took uh, the Jewish belief and changed a twenty percent and uh, put it in the the story. Uh, but it I was mean, the- nobody noticed when the God wasn't Yahweh; it was no way. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but yeah, she she just she just popped it in there, and not a lot of people noticed uh, from what it seemed like. Um, I didn't even notice as I was reading it, and I studied world religion. <laughs> I think that helps too. If you have that background, you know which twenty percent to change. Yes, right. You're mm-hmm. not gonna pull weird strings and make people who already you know who are practicing Jew, Jew who are Jewish and or who are. Um, you know, or for whichever you pick, people who are very knowledgeable are like, you pulled the weirdest thread out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I did a lot of Egyptology study, right? And and yeah. in like one of the core components of that is that the world is a cycle, right? Mm-hmm. All things are a cycle. If you had, if you put in like a Ragnarok kind of thing in the middle of your Egyptian mythology, and it was like a one-time thing that would feel weird. Yeah, you would be busting some the core component of it, and that's not to say you can't do it, but you should keep you should keep shifting things to encompass that. You couldn't sell me on um, something that was supposed to be like more historical fantasy with this concept, because while there is this sense of like, you know, the sun is almost swallowed or you know partly swallowed every night mm-hmm. and it is only the the strength of the gods that preserves it like this idea of like you know the constant threat there is this sense that the cycle will always continue right the flood will always come the sun will rise because we are doing the right things right mm-hmm. um and so something where it's like but foretold in the future is the apocalypse would be strange mm. um so that pulling that kind of thread out would be something you would have to kind of look at what moves when i pull that um, oh, I like that. So having that background, having enough background to kind of sense, like, if I'm going to change this piece, these other pieces have to change with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
I will say also something to keep in mind too, even though it seems random. Um, if you have, if this is close enough to the real world that you draw on the Greek <laughs> gods, there are actual people that still worship them mm-hmm. like in the world now, which is always weird to me with the mighty Thor that he's a superhero. And I'm like, there's people that like still actively. <laughs> okay. I mean, never mind. Oh, yeah. you know? Feel you like, think. I mean, other gods don't get that. Like I have pagan yeah. friends that are like, it sucks. You know what I mean? There's like, you don't get super Jesus, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or, you know, Buddha, the conqueror, like I, it's I, only their gods in particular. I, Greek, I, I, like I know Greek people that are, uh, that, that are practicing and do mm-hmm. believe in like the Norse gods and stuff. They're like, yeah, it's like, it's weird, but like, eh. <laughs> Hey, it's if Thor's that upset about it, he'll do something about it himself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's mm-hmm. true. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, what's funny is, is like, um, you know, s- several episodes ago, uh, talked about the book that uh, I wrote that Aaron read and how I was changing it from an urban fantasy to a fantasy novel. And that came about for a lot of reasons. But one of them that was like, oh, thank God this weight is off my shoulder was I had a problem with trying to make uh, magic systems in the real world that were like global because I, because I was like, it doesn't sit well with me because I feel like I'm now trying to explain native American myth. I'm now trying to explain, you know, Japanese mythology and all of this stuff just because I'm like, Oh no, this is how magic works. And I didn't like that. And I, and like at one point, w- one draft I had it where it's like, ah, oh, no, just magic everywhere works, whatever. And then that didn't feel right either. And so, like, I kept having these problems where I was like, that felt weird. Then, if I wanted, then if I wanted to have anyone who used magic who came from a culture, I felt like I had to um, shift gears magic wise, looking at like what their culture might have had and i didn't trust myself to get it right (laughs) and it it wasn't that i didn't think i could it was just i'm like i don't i don't want to screw something up and i just basically took the extreme measure of like i don't want to screw something up i'm taking i'm taking a step back from this and you know now that it's in just its own fantasy world and everything i'm like ah whatever it's fucking magic blowing up everything whatever This is the trade-off, right? If you write secondary world, you have to make up everything Mm -hmm. and you have to explain a lot more. Whereas like in contemporary fantasy, you can be like, they go to France. Everybody knows what France is. So Mm -hmm. I just have to give you a couple of French sort of details and nobody's like, wait, explain how that's there. But on the flip side, you have to account, you have to account for the fact that like there's France, and if all iron-based structures are alive, what's up with the Eiffel Tower now? Uh, it's the new ending to uh, to Ghostbusters too. <laughs> <laughs> there was the in in the Ghostbusters cartoon, the Eiffel Tower being a big ghost magnet was the thing. Yeah. <gasps> oh, was that's really? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. that show. Oh my god! Wow, I forgot that was a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I also didn't forget that they did a sequel cartoon called the Extreme Ghostbusters. Yeah, and then there, there was the Ghostbusters and the real Ghostbusters, and the real Ghostbusters drove around in that weird like jalopy car, and right? there was a gorilla, and it was like that, it was yeah, like, that was back what? in like the sixties. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, that was, Do you guys know what the story is behind that? That's. I mean, I know enough about the 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 predatory capitalistic hellscape that was toys in the eighties, <laughs> but no, I need to research the specifics. 
I do. The only thing that I know, and again, this too. is a massive tangent from what we were talking about. Uh, that is why Ghostbusters w is one word because they had two words <laughs> and they couldn't do the trademark for it. But anywho, huh. um, the so when it, it, it comes, what one of the other things that I, I have had as far as like um, being mindful of like what i'm taking from uh different cultures and different religions and stuff like that um is also like creatures um mm -hmm. because i i know like one of the big things going on right now on on online is the, the use of the term golem in D D uh when that is part of the jewish faith and knowing which one like that that like i just started doing i i i enjoyed researching mythical creatures to begin with but like researching them and finding out if they had like actual religious significance to them the golem of Prague. it's it's a specific mm -hmm. individual um and i i wrote about it in electropunk um, mm. But I mean, it's the actual golem of Prague. Like it's here to protect the people, and that's what it is, and that's what it does. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, I, I, I cannot do the story proper justice, but uh, it was to protect Jewish people in Prague in the early 20th century. Uh, mm. A rabbi created a man made out of clay. Um, of counts of what it actually looked like vary, but it didn't have a mouth because only humans can speak. Uh, humans, it's a divine thing to be able to speak, and it protected the people, and apparently was really great at it. Um, until the point that they essentially needed to decommission it, and they turned it back into mud. Essentially, yeah, that's an overly simplified version of the story. Yes, mm -hmm. but you know it. You looked it <laughs> up. It's <laughs> <laughs> what I do. So. What is something that looking at world cultures in the real world can do to help your world building? Well, so the, another thing that is rough, but I mean, uh, uh, coming from someone whose entire culture was appropriated, cultural appropriation mm -hmm. doesn't really like resonate with me. Uh, for me, you've only it's only becoming a problem when you start claiming when you start claiming credit for something. Mm. You know, like the the concept of cornrows is does not belong you know solely to 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 one people if your hair can do it have at it the moment you try and do what kim kardashian did where she's like these are kim rolls and i'm gonna trademark it it's like Ooh, bitch what did she do that oh she did try she tried oh my yeah God. Oh. no she tried yeah well that's when you're like no you know what i mean um that... obviously oh. you know different types of that that is fucking brazen yeah, man. Uh, you know, obviously different. I mean, because again, no culture is a monolith. So some mm -hmm. individuals are more upset or offended by this thing than some other individuals. You know, like mm -hmm. when um when Moana came out, there were those long sleeve shirts that had Maui's tattoos all over them, and you could mm -hmm. wear it. And, and you know, and there was Polynesian people that were like, "Yeah, nah, mm -hmm. you can't do that." And it's like, yeah. and Disney okay. was like, "Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah." So <laughs> gotta make money. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think if, if for the most part, if you're trying to give homages to things from a place of respect and from a place of love, you generally uh, are probably going to be going the right way. Not always. And like I said, check with some of those people. Yeah, I really do think that that is that is one of the big ones is is mm -hmm. talking with 
uh, people of that culture, not just people that yep. are knowledgeable of that culture. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and again, talk talk to more than one because yeah. one yeah. person may be way way laid back, you know, and maybe they should have been more forward. Another person might be super high strung and like you cannot do this, and it's like mm, I think it can though. Yeah. Th- so that that makes me think this wasn't this wasn't about culture. I won't I won't name the author of the book, but I heard a story about uh, an author who was writing, uh, you know, some kind of action book. Uh, The character was a former cop. So he's like, okay, I'm going to go talk to a cop. And he went and talked to one cop and um, became very obvious that this one cop also didn't know a lot um, because one of the big things was this dude kept uh, referring to uh, the magazine for their gun as a clip. And like every cop that was reading, it was like, no. <laughs> so yeah, de- definitely talk to more than one person of it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I heard it. I'm going to Google something really okay. quick. Okay. But- Aaron's got a thinking face. Also, I would just like you to know, dear viewer, while I'm stalling, you can't see Aaron, but she's in the exact opposite position of where she usually is. <laughs> and it's I really put- thrown me off right this is my desk that's actually my husband's desk but previously the the ethernet only went to that side so i could not stream from my desk but the cable's over here now and there's a wi-fi booster so this is the first day i've actually been doing stuff from my desk and there are so many kinks to work out but i I, I, I was gonna say (laughs) i feel like you've just taken his desk after all this time but yeah no that's the thing it was about like that he was like I kind of want to work at my desk again, but your stuff's all over it. I'm like, but you can't because I have to work that for, I have to stream today. So yeah. It's my desk now. I mean, it, it is like riding in your own car when someone else is driving. It's like brushing your teeth with your left hand. It's weird. <laughs> it's, like, no, it's, it's, fa- it's familiar, but it's strange. Yeah. This is, is okay. So this is this is a little bit of a tangent because it isn't so On much this about show. I know, it isn't so much about well, it's a little about world building, but it is not about um, culture and and sensitivity and such. It is about being half-assed in your research. Mm. So this story, have you seen this story? So this is um, this book, uh, uh, A Traveler at the Gates of Wisdom, by John Boyne, who also wrote The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, which is a different thing. Um, so he has, (laughs) so he has this character who, um, is making die and I'm going to read a passage really quick. This was all over the internet. So I don't feel too bad about this. That is in this actual published book. I know this this one. one. Yeah. yeah, Dyes that I used in my dressmaking were composed from various ingredients, depending on the color required, but almost all required nightshade, sapphire, key swing. And the leaves of the silent princess plant, octorok eyeball, swift violet, thistle, and hightail lizard. In addition for the red I had used for Abrilla's dress, I employed spicy pepper, the tail of the red lizolfos, and four hylian shrooms. Those are all ingredients for making um, dyes in uh, the Zelda Breath of the, Zelda Zelda Wild. Breath of the Wild. <laughs> so he looked up a recipe. <laughs> He like Googled how to make dyes and pulled up this and this. here we are. He's like, he, he is like, I don't remember. I actually just probably Googled it. He like, to be fair, like he, he took the L. He's just like, yeah, I messed up there. But it is I, very delightful to me <laughs> that made it through all the layers. This is why you need to hire more, more people that play video games. 
and your copy editing so they can be like lizalfos aren't a thing yeah this highly in pepper no that's no 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 (laughs) this is not comparable it's just the story i remember (laughs) (laughs) well no it is like when it comes down to it's 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 doing your research and doing your research well like don't get me wrong but nobody is harmed by yeah that is true no no one is harmed by there being a hylian pepper in your book except for you know that nintendo lawyer that's going to come after you Uh, i think they're perfectly happy (laughs) (laughs) but when when you're when you're building because i i know like something that a lot of people do and i especially hear this in you know D D with dms like homebrewing their own places and whatnot they're like oh i based this culture off of this um and they'll just kind of put a blanket statement there was like this group is egyptian i'm like okay but what does that mean Mm -hmm. what what is when you're just kind of like thinking up the world building and stuff what do you recommend for that sort of stuff do you think that it is a good way to go about of like i'm just kind of in my head picturing these as a more egyptian type of people or is it better just be like these people live over here and i will deal with them later <laughs> like what what do, what do you think there i don't like doing that mm-hmm. um i if i'm gonna put people in my if i'm gonna invent a culture for a book um i they're there for a reason um and thinking about what they sort of add and then I don't, I don't like, I, f- I feel uncomfortable with this is just magical Egypt, unless that is the thrust of it, in which case that, that doesn't feel like a thing you've thrown in. But um, to say the people that live over there are magical Egypt, it, it, if it, it feels like it's like, you're getting into that sort of fetishizing thing, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, well, I want that vibe. Um, I tend to kind of, I like I said, I really like studying other cultures and other people's ways of peopling um, and looking at ways, especially if you're going to borrow from sort of ancient history, stuff that you can kind of like pull bits together and say, okay, well, they're going to have this element of Egypt because their culture also arose along a river right? And a river that floods. Like, this is a really key part of this this culture coming together. Okay. But what's different? Okay. Well, it's not, you know, a, a river that's sort of cutting through a desert, right? It's a river that's cutting through mountains. Okay. So this is different in these ways. Well, where do I see these kinds of patterns? Maybe I'm going to borrow um, from... I can't think of anything off the top of my head. So, so like, <laughs> kind, of, kind of going with like that, where it's like, okay, I'm going to take some of these things, but change where it's like, okay, it is a culture that uh, formed around a river, but this one's cutting through the mountains. But in, uh, one of the, like the, the, oh my God, and I can't remember the name and I always butcher it anyways, but the, 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 the creature that's there with Osiris that devours the heart. Uh, so bad. That's yeah. Amit the devourer. Um, oh, yeah the um, it's like okay that uh was an amalgamation of uh of animals in the area that were terrifying um another really good tangent okay okay i'll get i'll get to that one um but so you might take it and be like okay well they have like some bear um creature that 
does the same thing in the afterlife. Maybe it doesn't devour the heart, it devours the soul or something like that, but it's taking mm -hmm. the idea that this possible thread that was there. Well, is... those were the most terrifying creatures I could think of. It's a hippo, yep. a lion, and a crocodile. There it is. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Those are the same creatures in a different combination that make up Taurette, the goddess of childbirth. She is a hippo with a crocodile back and lion legs and arms. Huh. I guess they're all legs, but she tends to be standing on her hind legs, so they're kind of arms. I did not know. But childbirth's that. also kind of terrifying. But I've yeah. always found that very interesting that Amit and Tauret are the same creatures, just in a different combination. Because Tauret is, or Amit is crocodile head, hippo, back legs, lion front legs. I mean, it makes sense, though. It's that it's like same beginning and end. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> I feel like I just tangent everywhere from this. No, that's really fine. Like yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, so, but the other thing to think about is like, okay, this is for a book. Why do I want this? Like, is yeah. it, this is like, I am passionate yeah. about this creation. I want to do this. That's one thing. But then it's like, okay, but why do I need this culture over here? Like, what am I achieving with this? Like, are, you know, am I trying to build the, the looming threat to the, to the West? Maybe. Um, then I might be picking different things. Do I need a really big stable empire? Egypt's a good place to look for a big, they, they lasted a really long time. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So a big stable empire, what made that big and stable? Um, that might be a good thing to look for. But but also kind of asking yourself, like, what do I want and why is this the first place I look? Because mm -hmm. a lot of times our impulses are not based on necessarily what's the best choice, but what we've been told. And I think in particular for stuff that's popular, like Egyptian mythology is popular, Greek mythology is popular. Oh. You know, these things like we, there are layers of knowledge about this. So if what you know is like, you know, the, if what you know about Greek myth is that you played Hades, you need to probably think about what, what you're pulling <laughs> the, from it. Don't and get like, me wrong. I mean, not to knock on the, it, it's a great game. The Greek but... mythology was a bisexual disaster, but not to that degree. <laughs> <laughs> If what you know about like Egyptian mythology is the sort of like kind of petrarchy, like, yeah. oh, you know, this God is like this God and this God is like this God and like not the syncretic overlapping wonderful mishmash that it actually was, um, then like you might be choosing for reasons that aren't making this the best place to look for inspiration. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, and like I know that when I first started writing fantasy I a thousand percent fell into these pitfalls where I'm just like this place is this real place plus this and just kind of just threw that on a piece of paper and was done with it but like it didn't work and and it and much like with the urban fantasy stuff when I got into writing it I was just like I don't I don't like this I don't want to do this because this I don't I don't feel like I'm doing this uh, I feel like I'm doing this a disservice instead of even just being, you know, neutral about it. Um, and, and and for listeners, this is not me at all saying don't do this. This is why I'm saying I didn't trust myself with it. Um, you can do it. it. People do do this. Well, I mean, cultures can be a good point of inspiration to kick something off, especially if you have an empire that lasted a long time. You're yeah. like, well, there must have been something to this. Like, uh, maybe they weren't all wrong on this sun worship the kids were on to, you know? Just keep marrying yeah. your sister. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Half, half sister. Half sister. That did not make it better for Fair. me. Yeah. <laughs> 
I've, I've, well, I've watched a series of documentaries that would indicate a stepsister is completely fair game. <laughs> <laughs> that one killed me. That one killed me. Set of documentaries. <laughs> so, like, I, I guess what what when it comes down to what we're saying is like yes, to like because one of the questions that Oscar uh, has when it comes when it comes to writing fantasy, do you believe that the writer has a responsibility to handle cultural culturally sensitive aspects such as race, beliefs, and customs, even though they are used in a fantasy setting? I think what we're saying here is yes, um, absolutely, um, and it's not that to not do it and saying you know you shouldn't just you know be be sensitive about it, but also do your research on it. Yeah. Um, is there any other thing that you all can think of uh, that you want to add on to this? Any kind of like advice or warning or anything? Yeah. Uh, if oh. uh, I, 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 this might not be short because normally mine are. Okay. I would say if there's if there's something that you're like, mm, should I cut that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. like I, I'll, I'll tell you again in electropunk, I wrote a scene. Uh, where my my strong female lead, Ruthie, gets attacked by a monster. She gets attacked by a monster when she's outside of her armor. And so she's in a lot of trouble that she can't really fight back. And I knew the whole point, spoiler alert, she ultimately, like, guts this thing and, and wins. Mm -hmm. But there definitely was a moment where I realized... What I was writing into her fear of trying to escape and what I was just seeing is like she's being pushed to the brink because she's going to kill this thing. I realized literally years later as we were working on the book that I was like, mm, I think I went too far there. I think that's too much. Mm. I think uh, <laughs> it's at a 10. I need it at a five. You know, and I went yeah. in and I realized I just had to take a couple pieces out because I was like, I don't know how to do this and still get across what I was trying to say. Mm remove that frame have him not say that and her not say that and now it works great fine but the fact though that something even in me was like ah! <laughs> yeah you know yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all you I need mean, to know that I, yeah. it really does come down to that where like it's the same thing that i tell uh the mods at cne where it's just like if you have an inkling that something someone says is messed up or threatening or anything like that delete it like if if you think it is, just go with it because you know it's better safe than sorry. Mm -hmm. The thing I was gonna add, so we talked about sort of if you're gonna borrow from real world cultures, sort of doing the research, doing the work, going in with the understanding that like people do things for a reason, right? Um, the other flip side of that, I think it can be really helpful to sort of sit down and think about your own culture. Mm. and why it is the way it is and what are the sort of themes of it and what are the the sort of unspoken truths right the things that are that you you assume and uh for operating purposes you will find a lot of unpleasant things um mm -hmm. and also some things you didn't think about um but i do think that kind of process is helpful for not carrying that stuff you're gonna carry it over it's gonna happen and it's not always the i mean okay like for certain things it's not the worst because your reader also likely has similar assumptions like 
you know, America is a place that is very uh, focused on individual power, right? Mm-hmm. You are the one who can determine your own destiny. We're all the main um, characters in an MMO. <laughs> and so there is a sort of Be the of Lich baseline. King you want to see in the world. Exactly. So like, mm-hmm. there's a certain assumption that your your North American readers are going to make that that is going to be true, right? Yeah. Um, so there's like, it's not, it's not like, don't do any of that, but to know it going in, like if you're creating a culture that's based a lot on a group collective, you're going to have impulses that work against that. And mm-hmm. if you're aware of them, that can help. It can also help when you are reaching for things that are going to, you know, uh, what is the word? I keep wanting to say perpetrate, but what I mean is keep it going. You're going perpetuate. to present, perpetuate. perpetuate. Yeah. God, yeah. thank you. <laughs> perpetuate. I got you. Stereotypes that maybe you don't even know yeah. are lingering in your head because you've been swimming in the mirror hole the entire yes. life. Well, um, what what are the, what are that's the a big project, but just in general, it seems like a good thing to do. Yeah, no, j- <laughs> like jumping off that, like go, like you're saying, like look in your own culture and stuff like that. One of the reasons that, like, I definitely say is, like, if you're going to pull from stuff to really look into it and un- and understand where it comes from is I find that a lot of people don't even know where some of the things that we say in English comes from. Like, yeah. if I, I've, I've read a story once uh, that was uh, taking place in a dwarven city deep within the mountain. They don't interact with people outside. Screw everyone. Just the dwarves. And they, uh, at one point, one of the dwarves describes uh, going through a threshold. And I went, did they ever have thresh on their floor? Because that's why it was called a threshold is because <laughs> homes had thresh on the floor and that stopped it from getting out. It, that's that's why it's called that. And so the when I see people that even just use, you know, things that we take for granted saying in English out of context, you're probably 100% going to do that with a culture that you are not familiar with intimately um, and haven't done the research on and looked into why things are said, why things are said in a certain way they are um, and anything like that. So that that that's that's why I, I really just look, re, re, research do things. <laughs> Um, well, I think that is uh, a, a good place to, to, to finish that comment or that, that question. Thank you again, Scarlett, for sending that in. Uh, that was a fantastic one. We had uh, some pretty good conversation about it. Um, hey, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you pose us interesting and compelling questions, maybe we'll talk for a whole episode to you too, Tangerinos. Hey. Yeah. Right, email drags to gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> email. Gmail. Uh, so... Uh, how, how was y'all's writing this week? So I don't remember what I said I would do. I think I said I would write multiple scenes and they didn't. However, solve my freaking problem, guys. Oh, yeah. Hey. Yeah. So I was trying to decide between the ways to start and I talked to B. Dave and B. Dave's instinct was also that this this one was the right way to go. And, and I was like, ah, damn it, because... I don't know how to do that. But I figured out how to do it. Hell yeah. Hey. I'm so happy because it was definitely the superior start. And then Hell I yeah. also, I had a big kind of like, 
I woke up way too early and it's never 5am is never a good time to try to solve problems. Um, And I was like, Oh no, this character has no purpose, but, but this character is the through line. Like that she needs to be on all the books, Mm -hmm. but then I figured out how to give her a purpose until the mystery kicks in and she has more purposes. More purposes. At any rate, I didn't write a ton of words. Although what I did do today was write, a trash draft of the first scene that I figured out I needed to do where I literally wrote it as bad as I could just to kind of get the blocking Can down. Can we please do a spinoff show called Trash Draft? That's like a great podcast what name. What do we do on that that <laughs> we don't do here? I mean, I that's the real problem with differentiating, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you, B-Day? How, how, how'd writing go? Because you said you were doing a bunch of games and you're still doing Ooh. them. <laughs> You cannot see my weary lament, uh, dear internet, which also uh, a lot of that explains a lot of this here. Um, uh, Just stop I being got... so awesome. So everybody wants you to do stuff. That's, yeah, God, be Dave. I don't know how you're going to pull that off, but. it's. I, I, I think uh, I did get around 3,000 words across multiple projects. I had to, nice. I had to, write, I had to write episodes for um, uh, G4. I had to do two this week instead of just one. I uh, had a, a monster submission um, for a Cobalt Press uh, and some other oh, stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, just uh, pushing through, man, pushing through. That, that <laughs> the, I still love that you got to put in a monster to that. Was it Tomo Beast 3? Yeah, Tomo Beast 3. Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't get uh, my 10 pages. I got five. So I was I was happy. Wait, with what's that. what's this pages nonsense? That is not that no, is not no, a delineation. Comics, I can I, 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 I did five comic pages. Okay, uh, fine. That is acceptable that I do understand. <laughs> and actually, you just right, I can talk about this now because it'll be out by then. I'm a webcomic writer person. Yay! And uh yeah, so uh I'm doing an ongoing webcomic for uh Codename Entertainment. It's called hey. Pack Antics. Uh, and it's a bunch of champions uh, d- 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 turned into kobolds going through adventures, uh, drawn by Luke McKay. And uh, and yeah, this is what I've been working on for the last couple of months, and the the, the pages that I am writing. And so this is I, I get I get I get to do a thing. It, there's a there's, it says by Trevor Bettis on it. It does. It, it that does. never gets old. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Well, it, it's still wild to me that it says by Trevor Bettis and Luke McKay because I read web comics by Luke McKay that made me want to become a a web comic writer. Hey. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So that it's freaking surreal for me. Um, but yeah, so that that's up on uh, the Idle Champions Twitter, Instagram, and all that. So it would mean a lot to me if you wouldn't like to retweet it and stuff. That'd be that'd be really awesome of you. Hey, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I got I got five pages done. Um, I think that's kind of the goal that I'm going to set for this one because I'm once again extremely busy uh, this week and weekend. Uh, so I think I can do that one. I think I can do that. I believe in you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, don't forget, Tangerinos, you can write in with uh, your uh, word counts uh, to our Twitter account, and you can reply to the you know the post that goes out about this episode of what your word count is and how you're doing with it, because we do like seeing that, because we just like we people do. writing. Um, yeah. I had another thing, and then it was gone, and I don't remember what it was. 
So that's going to be next week, Trevor's problem. <laughs> that is true. Right after this, we'll fix it in post. Yeah. Uh, if, but... he, if, he, if, if he thinks of it, he's going to insert it here. Oh, <laughs> uh, God, I really hope I remember that. Uh, do something funny there. Narrator voice. He didn't. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that is uh, going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, friends, where can people find you? What awesome things are you working on? Uh, you can find me on Twitter with the most popular tweet I've ever tweeted <laughs> as of last night. Which one now, was it? Now I gotta it's go just, see what it is. It's just, I was just a bullshit little tweet I popped off because my son has trouble sleeping and then he acts like a maniac because he's like just this side of sleepwalking. <laughs> so he was flipping out uh, because he was really upset that he couldn't fall asleep because he's mostly asleep. And we're walking back and he like goes, he's like, oh, I have to pee. And he just started getting mad again. I was like, it's hard having a body. So that's what I tweeted. I, I now People get why you say hard. Yeah, no, 957 <laughs> likes as of right now. Yeah, no, I, I, I know you just got to retweet from so me. Popular. Yeah. <laughs> gotta retweet no, from me yeah. go, I need to go put what? what is it? SoundCloud? I a don't SoundCloud have later. <laughs> yeah. You should have, you should have a SoundCloud of just you laughing. Just Aaron and Evans. <laughs> ASMR. And it's just dated. Oh it's the date of the laugh for the trip. Yeah, exactly. That's it. <laughs> You'll be the new That's Jamaican the air horn. The new. <laughs> 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 I was more with it. I would be like, here are books that you should read that should get more attention. And I'm suddenly mm. like, what do I read? <laughs> um. Yep, I'm so good at the social media. But that's where you can find me at Aaron M. Evans. You can also find me on twitch.tv slash games with these two guys for mm. Champions of Lore every yeah. Wednesday at 11, uh, where we talk about the lore behind Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. You can also join me on twitch.tv slash Dungeon Scrawlers on Mondays at 1.30 p.m. Pacific for Concentration Check. We just called every, we just named our audience, which is not huge. It's not, it's a little devoted band of people who show up to get some work done. Um, but now they're called con artists. Oh, I love that. I, I almost called them tangerinos. And I was like, you're not, you should also be tangerinos. <laughs> <laughs> you're not tangerinos. No, con, um, con, con artist is quite nice. I feel like that. <laughs> That's really good. One of our viewers thought of that and I was delighted. Um, <laughs> and you can also watch me on twitch.tv slash Dungeon Scrawlers for Dungeon Scrawlers, which is an actual play show with a bunch of fantasy writers on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. That's all I do. Not gonna lie, I thought you were saying that it was Dungeon Scrawlers, like the name changed in the new season. Dungeon Scrawlers. The Dungeon Scrawlers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they got an <laughs> old-timey town. affectation. They got an old timey town crier to come out and introduce him. Don't us! Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I just get both of you. <laughs> yeah, we're I'll the callers. It. That was yeah. amazing. I'm in. I'm in. I'll carry. I'll carry a lantern and everything. I don't care. Yeah. We'll go around calling people governor. It's true. <laughs> yeah, governor. <laughs> Mighty fine night it is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel bad for people that don't stick around to the end of the show. They hear me go, that's a, that's going to be it for this week, and they turn off the show. They miss they miss gold. I mean, they got to notice that there was like five more minutes. And, uh, <laughs> that they were like, this seems like a trick. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, non-ironically TV's B-Dave Walters. Uh, mm -hmm. Host and DM. Yes, Aaron. 
forgot that I saw you at Freddie oh. Prince Jr. Yo, yeah. <laughs> He's so cool. He's so like, cool. Yeah. God, I, bet he is. I already thought you were cool and amazing. And now I'm like, this is the extent, this is the reach. B Dave's reach is even further. True. So. This is this is not even my final form. <laughs> And I got to debut my great and mighty Xanathar in that episode, which oh. I, I, had, I had a lot of did you quite do, a lot of fun. Did you do the did you do the voice you said you always do with it? Here's a great and mighty Xanathar. Yes. This is how we talk. Yes. <laughs> of oh. course you know how the great and mighty Xanathar communicates. I cannot wait to get to that episode. I'm a few behind. Yeah. Oh god, yeah. I'm so excited now. <laughs> yeah. I won't I won't even tell you what we did for the practical effects for the Xanathar. Oh, but shit. it's it's multiple people they were like okay that's my favorite that's my favorite one out of everybody oh, like, oh god i'm like good for i am perfect yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> uh yeah just follow me on the tweetograms at Dave walters and apparently i do stuff like that wherever anybody will let me <laughs> uh you can follow me on twitter at the trevor there's an a hiding in there and find all the podcasts that i do and once again we're trying to get 50 questions for i'm gonna podcast so that we can just keep doing a comedy show uh but we actually added another cast member even though that we haven't started it up again yet uh my sister uh who was on uh from the same mister and other side of suspicion uh is going to be on there too because we just love cracking jokes so uh it's going to be the four of us uh, me, my sister Christy, Kyle St. James, and Alex Gilbert, just making jokes, having fun, but we want your questions to have a jumping off thing. They can be serious, they can be silly, they can be anything you want. Uh, th th almost went into that Grace Kelly song. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, send those into I'm gonna email at gmail.com, and we'd love to keep doing a show about that. Uh, and don't forget, check out pa Packing Antics. That's all my plugging. Uh, that is going to do it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, the best way to support the show is by leaving a review on your podcast service of choice. It really does help. Remember, Spotify can do it now, so you, know, you can go leave a review on there. Five stars only. Don't bring that weak stuff. Uh, <laughs> if you would like your question uh, or topic read on the show, like Scarlet's was today, uh, you can send those into writingaboutdragonsandshit at gmail.com. And if you'd like to keep up to date on the show, you can follow us on Twitter at About Dragons. But until next week, go write about some dragons and shit.